Why are so many compassionate people reassessing their careers at this time? And what are the four questions that anyone who wants to have a more positive impact and increased quality of life need to ask? Let's talk all about it with my friend, social entrepreneur and coach Paul Zelizer, right here in episode 345 of The Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, as you know, this is Nurse Keith, and this podcast is always about you, your personal and professional development, your career, and the healthcare system as a whole. And I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people out there. I love having you along for the ride, and I thank you for being part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. And here's a very, very, very special request. If you find value in the show, please consider becoming a valued patron at patreon.com forward slash nurse Keith. You know, creating over 345 episodes incurs a lot of costs and I really want to continue. And right now in 2021, I'm asking a hundred regular listeners to pledge $2 a month for a year. That's less than a cup of coffee per month. And it would really help me. So please consider supporting the show just like Edward from the Bay Area, Marie from Nashville and Jocelyn from New York. I'm so grateful to all three of them for stepping up. So head over to patreon.com forward slash nurse Keith to show your support. And you can also support the show by referring yourself or someone you know for holistic career coaching with me. And if you mention Paul Zelizer for this episode, you can get 15% off your first coaching package. And the show notes, speaking of Paul Zelizer, will be at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 345. And Paul, um, gosh, we have so much to talk about and we've known each other a long time. But the first question I want to ask you is, what is this thing that's called the great resignation? What is it? What's this um, phenomenon we're seeing? First of all, Keith, thanks for having me on the show. And also congratulations on building a show. 345 episodes is a big deal. Thank you for providing value for so long. Thanks. Thank you. The Great Resignation. I came across it first on LinkedIn. And it's language, if anybody's been reading, we are in the midst of one of the most historic disruptions of the workforce of the marketplace of where people work and don't work (laughs) that we've seen in generations. So some recent research I saw is that 62% of Americans are thinking seriously about leaving their job. 62% in 2021. 62%. Um, July was one of the biggest months in recorded history of the number of people who actually left. And then August beat that, right? We're seeing every month, you know, seven, eight, nine percent of the workforce leaving in one month. It's just an unprecedented shift. And when people are talking about why that's happening, is COVID was in many ways, I like to think about it as it was an enforced values clarification retreat. Not everybody was working from home, but many of us who could were, and even those who weren't who still had a physical location. Obviously, if you're an ER nurse, you were still going to the ER, right? And thank you, everybody who's, you know, a frontline mm-hmm. worker. Yes. But with the with us being more inward and limiting our going out into the world, even those of us who were going to work, people were reflecting on what's important to me now. And that's a very common thing historically. After World War II, there was this like explosion of people starting businesses. We're also having one of the biggest waves of entrepreneurship in at least three generations, right? People Uh sat down and said, what am I doing on this planet? This is a very chaotic time. What do I want in my life? What's important to me? And what we found is that a large number of people around the world were saying the work that I'm doing isn't really fitting my values and it's time to do something about it. Maybe I'm burnt out. Maybe I'm in a place where I don't feel particularly psychologically safe or at least not well respected. Uh And it's time to make a change that maybe has been kind of brewing below the surface. It came above the surface. And that's what the great resignation is. Wow. And the great resignation isn't just people in, you know, the corporate world or anything like that. It's happening in healthcare. And you know, I've, I've been writing an article for one of my um, the publications I write for, and one survey showed that 20 to 30 percent 
of frontline healthcare workers are considering leaving their profession. And another one said that 30% of critical care nurses are suffering from anxiety and depression. 61% hold fear of exposing themselves or their loved ones to COVID. And what a percentage they did not identify, I think it was, it's probably in that range of 20 to 30 are thinking of quitting as well. And just this morning, I had a consult with a nurse from here in the US and she recently quit her job last week because she wasn't being treated well. And she said, you know, she said exactly what you just said. She said, that place was not aligned with my values and I couldn't put up with working in a place where I was treated so badly that wasn't psychologically safe. She didn't use that term, but she was being bullied and wasn't being treated well. She was being yelled at. And she was like, I don't, she's like, I'm 36 years old. I didn't sign up for this, right? So lots of nurses are coming to me right now saying, well, they're actually part of this great reshuffling or great resignation that's called. They, They want something different. And I believe to some extent that the existential crisis of the the pandemic is a gift in some ways. And it's not that it's a gift that people are dying, but it's a gift to people who needed to be shocked out of this complacency or feeling like there was nowhere to go. So Paul, when, when people feel like there's nowhere to go, where, how do they, how do they decide that, their values are being, that their values are so misaligned with what they're doing. How do they make that decision to say, you know what, I'm, I'm out of here. I got to do something different. What are you seeing that people are actually, what's their process? It's a great question, Keith. I, I like to encourage people to do a simple, but very powerful exercise. And I first learned about this on a podcast. I'm a big podcast listener. Uh And it was a Navy SEAL leader. And he was talking about, you know, when you're a Navy SEAL, at any one point, you could your beeper could go off back in the day, or now it's your cell phone with a special app, has a special ring on it. That thing goes off and you grab your go bag and you are like getting briefed while you're like packing up to get in a helicopter or whatever craft. And in the middle Uh of the night, you could be jumping out of a helicopter with a vague mission, kind of sort of know what you're there for. But like, Mm -hmm. there's a saying in the military that no um, plan survives the first point of contact. You could jump out of that plane and anything can, you get shot at, you can want, you think there's land and you're in the water, like anything Mm -hmm. can happen. He said, Mm -hmm. nothing you plan for is set except for if you're smart, your values. Hmm. And he says, when you're a Navy SEAL and you're going to jump out of a helicopter in the middle of the night and people might start shooting at you, you can't have a list of 27 values. Because you can't remember it in the, like when things are intense, he says, come up with three or four core values. And what we learned in these very intense environments, like it's a different intense environment if you're in healthcare, but it's really intense right now, right? The human nervous system can't remember large lists. He said, what you can remember when you're about to jump out of a helicopter in the middle of the night is like three or four things. So what we learned to do as SEAL leaders is, okay, Everybody clear on the mission? Any questions? No. Okay. Before we jump out of the helicopter, hands in the middle and let's say our core values. And then you jump out of the plane Hmm. into, you know, the best prepared you can be for the unknown as possible. And it's a little bit like that in the modern workforce. We don't know supply chain disruption, people quitting, prices going all over the place. It's wild, Mm -hmm. right? COVID spikes up and then it spikes down. It's a wild, wild time, but our core values don't change. So what I recommend to the people that are trying to navigate this is before you make a major change like a career, I mean, if somebody's being abusive, of course, take care of yourself. But if it's just like, I'm tired, this isn't quite a fit, I don't know what to go to. Before you apply for another job, do a simple values exercise. I call it your core values. Write down the three or four, maybe five at the most core values that are most important to you. And then a little description, a sentence or two. What do you mean by that? You know, some two people might use compassion, community, or well-being. Well-being is one of my core values for my work. Uh-huh. What do I mean by well-being? And then step back into the conversation of where might I want to go with that kind of clarity, right? 
rather than just trying to find another job description you know, that has certain check marks, let's be mindful of our core values. And that opens up things that we might not have thought about before. Wow. That's, that's a great description. And that jumping out of the helicopter, I mean, there are nurses who do that. They're flight nurses yep. and they, well, they don't necessarily jump, but they, they go to mountaintops and they, they have no idea sometimes what situation they're going to face, you know, yep. 80 mile an hour winds and, you know, somebody has to be lifted in a basket, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Yep. And same thing for nurses in the ER or in trauma or ICU, or even these days, nurses who work in schools, right. you know, a lot of nurses have cast dispersion on those who work in schools, but school's pretty intense. And during a pandemic, it's even more intense. Yeah. And, you know, no matter where nurses work, and that's the majority of my listeners, they're facing a lot of uncertainty. And the pandemic has thrown not, it's not just a wrench. I mean, it's thrown like a tank in the middle of yeah. our plans. And, you know, like this person who came to me this morning, I praised her for having the wherewithal and temerity to just quit. And granted, she has enough money to not work for a few months and she can actually take the time to find what's next. And she's not a single mom. You know, she doesn't have dependents other than a dog. You know, I have other people come to me who, you know, I have four children and mouths to feed and, and need to keep a roof over my head, but yeah. they're killing me at work. Right. Yeah. So, if somebody's core values have to do with family, you know, um, caring for the people they love, doing a good job, helping others, you know, being an empathic, authentic nurse in the world, if those are the core values, but they're coming up against a system or a workplace where those things don't seem to matter to anyone else or to most people who are running the place, then what's what's the disconnect that happens for that person how like what goes on inside that person yeah there's really strong research in anybody who's in the US might have heard of the folks called Gallup they do a lot of political polls Gallup polls yeah. says this happened in this election or this happened in that well Gallup also well, I'll just polls. let me interrupt one second I'll just say that nurses have been number 1 in the Gallup poll 19 years straight as the most trustworthy individuals in the United States. Oh my gosh, that's so, beautiful. Yeah, so a lot of uh, nurses know about the Gallup poll, but okay. go ahead. <laughs> beautiful. So yeah. one of the research that Gallup does is what's called the uh, engagement and disengagement at work study. Oh. Gallup engagement is, you can just search, just do Gallup engagement at work or disengagement. And for years, we have known that there's kind of three buckets. They talk about the number of people who are engaged at work. They like it, they enjoy it, they feel energized. The number of people who feel disengaged, not particularly in, you know, feeling very passionate about the work they're doing. And then there's a term called actively disengaged. That's poll, pollster speak for I hate my job. <laughs> so about a third of Americans hate their job, like passionately hate it. About, um, I forget, it's like another 20% are actively disengaged. So, so more than half. Or, or do not like their jobs. It's actually it's more like sixty percent, right? So we are mm -hmm. dealing with you know more than half the workforce just doesn't like going to work. So you're first of all, I would just say just know you're not alone in trying to find work that feels values aligned. And once you start to like get clear on what your values are, what I would say is it gives you a rudder to have conversations. One of the other demographics I recently on my podcast had somebody who comes, um, his name is Dennis Consorte, and he writes for a small business site called business.com. We were talking mm -hmm. about it on an episode. 31% of the people leaving their jobs are starting their own businesses. They're, they're becoming right. entrepreneurs. And this is the highest in three or four generations. We've had a decreasing level of entrepreneurship in the US. And people are saying that's part of the reason we got into this mess is that a lot of us got a little stagnant. And when employers weren't treating us well, we were like, oh, starting my own business, uh, that's a, it's a big leap. And I've done it, Keith, you've done it. You know, it's not, I'm not in any way implying it's easy. What I am implying that historically people have kind of had that, there's that country Western song, take this job and shove it. Like there oh, is a threshold, right? There's a threshold of like when poor behavior coming from large corporations People in the past left and created their own values-aligned businesses. Lifestyle businesses, there's lots of name for it. We 
We haven't seen much of that lately. And this is a huge correction we're seeing in people getting much more innovative in how they're approaching work. And there's many more options from gig economy to starting your own business to more awareness and willingness on employers' parts because they can't get people unless they're having more flexible scheduling and hearing people's Uh needs and doing more around training. So we're in a worker's and entrepreneur founder friendly environment now more than we have been because a lot of us were a little bit sleepwalking in the realm of work and and that all just kind of there's been this earthquake and we're in a very much a new time and i think that's exciting you're so right and nurse entrepreneurship is actually has been exploding for years and it's exploding even more right now and i'm on the board of the national nurses and business association and our annual conference just just happened and it was virtual, of course, again, hopefully not next year. And But I'm not holding my breath <laughs> um, with the pandemic. But nurses have a lot to, to provide to the world. And business is a great way for nurses to, to find their niche and bring what they want out into the world in a way that holds meaning for them. So... First, I just want to ask you, you're, you're what's called a social entrepreneur, right? Is that one of the terms? Absolutely. Yeah. And you're also one of the first business coaches anywhere to focus on the needs of social entrepreneurs and what you call impact business leaders. So first, let's, let's just define what a social entrepreneur truly is. What's your elevator pitch for a social entrepreneur? Sure. The, the most simple answer, Keith, is just business for good. For many years, I was in the community mental health space and I you know, burned out after like getting, I was running a nonprofit and we were trying to provide services and I was also trying to get the funding. It was exhausting. I got compassion mm-hmm. fatigue. And I, about 15 years ago, I was like, there's got to be a way to harness this huge engine called business, one of the biggest engines on the planet for good. And I didn't even have the vocabulary of social on, but that's based harnessing the power of business for some positive impact in your own life and in the world. Awesome. So nurses are in a great position to do that because they have all sorts of skills. Nursing is based on, to a large extent, communication, whether you're doing research or clinical work, or you're a writer, you're a podcaster, communication is the center of so many things nurses do, right? So they have a lot to say and a lot to share, and it can be, you know, physical touch, but it can also be touching people in a lot of other ways. So there's lots of support out there for nurse entrepreneurs, but I think this notion of the social entrepreneur is a really important one to bring out into the space. And your organization is called Awarepreneurs, and you're known for your very acclaimed podcast and also the Awarepreneurs community, which is has members from all over the world. And there are a lot of social entrepreneur leaders and the podcast is amazing. So in terms of the podcast, what, what could a nurse find there that might be helpful to her or him in terms of understanding social entrepreneurship and how they can bring their gifts into the world? Everything we do on the podcast, if anybody's heard Guy Raz's podcast, How I Built This, it's oh, a great yeah. podcast. He, he helps, he, he finds people who've done incredible things and basically asks them, how do you build this thing, right? So I like to talk about awarepreneurs is focused on how I built this for social entrepreneurs, like literally. So we've had people like a fabulous guest named Ivalice and Dino. And um, Ivalice is, her startup is called Radical Health. And she's a Latina, a Black Latina woman in is Harlem or the Bronx, like in New York City. I can't remember which borough, which probably get I me think in it's trouble. The Bronx. Yeah, yeah, I think it's the Bronx. And um, she's looking at how to engage communities of color and other marginalized communities in the health, you know, health outcomes, as I, you've written about it, Keith, you know, for communities of color and marginalized communities are much less than what we would hope for. And then the average, you know, health outcomes in whatever area we're talking about. So right. in that case, it's a very specific, we have some episodes that are very, very specific to 
the healthcare industry, right? Um, we had a fabulous uh, interview by the CEO and founder of Karenware, a medical fashion company, and like how you can design medical fashion that's much more compassionate and um, useful to real humans as opposed to like efficiency, like let's get this skimpy gown on people so we can do all our tests, you know, efficiently, exactly. but the humans in the gown feel terrible right. being in the gown, right? Anyway, but you know, the last episode that we published, actually I'm doing an episode uh, that just going to go live tomorrow. A guy has created a hundred thousand network of black beauty salons and barber shops wow. to help leverage um, the, just the, the community gathering aspect of what a black barbershop or what it, how it functions in black communities mm-hmm. around music and art and storytelling and innovative products and healthcare messaging and wow, it's working fantastic. on COVID resistance. So it's not healthcare specific, but what it is, is positive impact specific. These people who started 222 episodes as of tomorrow, every yeah. single one of them has built something amazing with positive impact as the primary focus. And also how do I pay my bills and support a family? So what we do is just get incredible founders doing very impactful things. And we ask them really specific questions. You know, what are your products? How do people find you? What are your different revenue streams? How big is your team? We ask them really granular business questions like, how did you build this? How does it work as a social enterprise? So other people who want to also create, you know, harness the power of business for good, they can learn from it and do it. There's no right way, in my opinion, to do this. I just want to go find literally hundreds of people who've done it and ask them how they've done it. So other people who want to harness the power of business for good can learn, apply, and be in the conversation. Thank you. That's fantastic. And I, we're going to make sure that's all in the show notes so people can can find the podcast and listen. And Paul, when we come back from a really quick break, I want to talk about how many people you're seeing turning to values-based entrepreneurship and social entrepreneurship and what we mentioned at the very top of the show, the four questions that anyone who wants to have a more positive impact and increased quality of life need to ask. So does that sound like a good plan? Sounds great. All right. So we'll be right back. Stick with us for the second half of episode 345 of The Nurse Keith Show. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. Please consider becoming a patron of The Nurse Keith Show, just like other awesome listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support The Nurse Keith Show, you also get some pretty cool premiums and gifts from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith to read all about it. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Nurse Keith. And if you know someone who could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, you'll receive credit for an hour of coaching with me. And there's no expiration date on that credit. So you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. And remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits. What an incredible deal. And please head over to nursekeith.com and sign up for my newsletter, which comes out regularly and brings you supportive messages, updates from my blog and my podcast, resources, and all sorts of other stuff. Remember, nursekeith.com, sign up for that newsletter, and you'll also get a free download from me as my gift to you. Anyway, those are my sincere asks today. So now, Let's dig back into today's topic without further ado. And welcome back to the second half of the episode. Remember, the show notes are located at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 345. That's where you can learn all about Paul Zelizer, his coaching, which we'll talk about, the Awarepreneurs podcasting community, and all things Paul online, including LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So, Paul, we were talking about social entrepreneurship and we we're talking about the Awarepreneurs podcast and how you've had people in healthcare and a lot of other industries, leaders from around the world and really incredible people. And I, there's definitely people who've been on your show who I want to bring to 
to this show, people like Jocelyn, I mean, Evilly Sandino and others. Let me know. I'd be, I'd, I'd love to introduce you. I think she'd be a great guest. We will, we will do that. So how many people do you think are truly turning to values-based entrepreneurship? Are there numbers or are, do you just, is it just more of the trend that you're aware of? What we know, Keith, is as we know, entrepreneur is exploding. And I, I again, quote Dennis Consorte from business.com, who's a small business writer, and he was on the show recently. His quote is, of everybody who's leaving their job as part of this great resignation, 31% are starting their own business. That's why they left their job. Not a side gig. They mm-hmm. left to start a full-time business. And that's right. unprecedented. We haven't seen anything like that since the end of World War II. So this mm-hmm. is like generational disruption here. How wow. many of them are explicitly saying this is a values-based business? I'm a social, you know, what labels are they using? We don't know that. that I haven't mm-hmm. seen that. What I have also seen is both on college campuses. I recently interviewed not too long ago, um, Dr. Mitzi Montoya, who's the head of the business school here in New Mexico, UNM Anderson mm-hmm. Business School. It's the most esteemed business school in New Mexico, and she confirmed that social entrepreneurship is one of the largest areas and fastest growing areas uh, for young people, especially in the business school all over the world, right? So we're seeing young people basically because they're looking around the world and saying, we are dealing with unprecedented climate change and huge issues and business is having a major role in how we got here and we need to figure out how to do business differently. We just have to. The other data point that we've seen there is a term that's closely related to social entrepreneurship, not exactly the same. It's called ESG, environmental social governance, which is bringing hmm. awareness of what's happening in the environment and in the communities that we want to help, environmental, social, in other words, having positive impact in communities we want to help, and governance, bringing that into the decisions that businesses are making. That term yes. has gone off the charts in Google. You just do a search. There's a way in Google to look at Google trends. And if you search things like ESG, it's a hockey stick growth curve. People are looking it up. And so we have certain data points that say this whole kind of constellation of values and business and positive impact is some of the most significant trends on the planet right now. And we're still trying to wrap our head. Like how big is it? How many people? We don't know is the honest truth. But the indicators we have is it's major. Yeah. And you mentioned younger people wanting to seize on this. And I've been talking about this for several years now and writing about it, how I place a lot of hope in the millennial generation and the generation coming behind them or after them because of the, the level of spiritual, emotional, and kind of social slash cultural, um, what's the word? Um, consciousness that that they bring to the table. And that's not every single person. You can't say a whole generation is like that. But I see trends within the millennials and the younger ones where they're like, this isn't going to work for yeah, me anymore. Right. And millennial nurses who are like, no, I'm not working a double shift. Tomorrow's my birthday. Or, no, <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to stand for bullying or mandatory overtime. I'm out of here, right? So I like that. And I think the one reason I'm feeling hopeful is that people I know who are slightly older millennials, mid to late thirties, they're taking on positions of leadership now and they're turning workplace cultures on their head. And that's where I see things really happening is as they get into leadership and they have the levers of power and also when they start businesses. So Paul, you know, in your, your work as a social entrepreneur, as a podcaster, and as a coach, you work with people on their social entrepreneur enterprises or businesses. So what, what do you feel like are your main gifts that you bring to the table yourself when say you're working with a nurse entrepreneur who needs some help? Where, where do you land and what are you bringing that person? Well, as I mentioned earlier, Keith, you know, two things immediately come to mind. I earlier talked about how my first career was in the field of community mental health. I have a master's degree in counseling psychology, and you know, I was trained in something 
called motivational interviewing many years ago. Oh, yes. Bill Miller, a lot of nurses mm-hmm. use it, counselors use it, dietitians use it. It's a fabulous tool. Bill Miller, who invented, it was one of the people who developed it here at the University of New Mexico. So it's been in our orbit for a long time. Those are some of us out here who, you know, um, so like questions and listening to motivation. I don't, I don't come to a conversation with somebody who's thinking about a social um, enterprise or, or I want to, you know, step into the realm of social entrepreneurship. I don't come into it saying, oh, that tells me everything I need to know. Do these four things or seven things. I come into it with a lot of questions. What are your unique core values? And, and I talk about four questions that I bring to every client that I work with, Keith. The first one we're we are, gonna get to those four questions. Yeah, we, yes. the first one we already answered. Why? What are your core values, and what's the impact that you want? What's well, that's the first. That's question the first question the is why. Oh, right? awesome! So we've okay. already covered that one. Core values, okay. and then I call it an impact statement. People talk about mission statements and value statement, and those are great. But I like impact. What's the dent you want to make in the world? I want to help social entrepreneurship grow on planet Earth because it harnesses up the most powerful engine in a modern economy to good outcomes. It just It's a very powerful engine. I want to help more people use it for good. So that's, that's the lever I want to pull on in terms of my, my impact statement. So that's the why. The next question is who. So a lot of people want to know, jump to what I call the what. We'll get there next. What job should I get to? Or what business should I start? What product or services should I offer? I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Who do you want to help? So like Will Shelton, the guy whose episode goes live tomorrow, Will wants to help the Black community. He's seen just how much, he's a Black man who's seen how much suffering there is in the Black communities in America and around the world, where I believe seen what marginalized communities are dealing with because their mom got cancer and how it, um, what it was like for their family to navigate a cancer journey was just incredibly full of suffering. And she's like, nobody should ever have to go through this, right? So there's a, there's a clear sense of like, I want to help a certain kind of person going through some things. I don't even know how yet, uh-huh. but just who do you want to help? It's an incredibly uh-huh. powerful question. Then, and only then, right? I want to help social entrepreneurs. I didn't even have a vocabulary for social entrepreneurship 15 years ago. It'd be 15 years, Keith, uh-huh. in January, right? Wow. When I started my business, I didn't even, I didn't even know what, cause I was a mental health counselor. You know, I knew more about social work than social entrepreneurship. Right. I, I did, but I knew like, I want to help other people who want to leverage business for good. Cause it's really powerful. Right? So once you get your sense of your who, then you can start thinking about what it is, the product, the services or the delivery mechanism. So if it's right. being a nurse in a, in an, a system that's not your business. But what is that system that that's a good fit with who you want to help? Because some systems, you know, your values and who you want to help, that could help you find opportunities that you may never. If there's so many opportunities as a nurse, there's so like you were saying, schools and ERs and business and oh my gosh, mm-hmm. own your own business and health writing and you know wellness right. coaching. Like for oh my gosh, like we could be here all day talking about all the different things, right? Which one of those things is the right delivery mechanism? Well, again, when you know your core values and you have a sense of who you want to help, now it starts to really refine out, right? Really starts to like, oh, it's not just about selling a thing or getting a job. That's transactional. That transactional nature is what got us into the mess we're in right now. Ooh, yes. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) The core values and feeling passionate about helping a certain kind of person or certain kinds of issues, that's going to steer us into places. We're going to start asking, what does, what does this community need? What, what are some of the places that there's already some things in place that I can build on? Or where are there some things that are just some real gaps? And that's how entrepreneurs think, whether they're intrapreneurs, they're in a system that's not their own private mm-hmm. business, or they're entrepreneurs, the thinking is the same. What, who needs help? And what do they need? As opposed to, here's a job with a limited job description, and I'm stuck with that job description for the rest of my life. That's old thinking. Entrepreneurs, yes, we go and we make things and create things and nuance things and advocate. So whether or not we have 
our own business or we're working for somebody else. That kind of thinking is what makes the world a better place. And then well, lastly, well lastly is how, <laughs> right? Marketing or the, you know, vetting jobs and going through the job application process and you're great helping people with resumes, Keith, like all that just really granular things that we need to do to sync up our core values and get them in action, helping certain kinds of people. Well said, right. So those are the four questions. The first is core values. First like is why. What are the core values? Why? Oh, first is why do you want to do this? It, it, right? you're, it just... They're all one-word questions to make them super easy to why, who, what, and how. And the why is your mm-hmm. core values and an impact statement. I see. Okay. So that's where we start with the core values and wisdom, yeah. um, the impact statement. And then we go from there. And those are very impactful and very simple and easy to remember, even though I was having trouble remembering <laughs> them just then. Um, that This is me on me at 57, right? Um, but I just want to say that that you've been bringing this kind of energy and, and awareness to the table for a long time. You just said 15 years. And I just want to say, we didn't talk about this earlier that you and I have been friends for about, we've known each other 11 years. Um, we lived in the same co-housing community for a little while here in Santa Fe. Yeah. And I was actually at the very first gathering you had in Santa Fe of the previous incarnation of Awarepreneurs yeah. and where you were you were publicly kind of puzzling through, like, what does this mean? And I think you're right that at that time, this language, the nomenclature wasn't quite there yet, but you were aware, aware printers, you were aware that something was afoot and that business needed to be done differently. And I remember that first meeting, we had some, there were really interesting conversations going on at the table where I was in terms of, you know, how do we bring ourselves out into the world in a way that holds meaning for us? And often with my clients, I come back to this notion of meaning. And I guess that actually speaks to values because I do talk about values too. It's like nurses often say, you know, I want to help people. And that's great. But I often like to get much more granular than that. I want to go much, I want to go underneath that because don't you have to be very definitive in business and have a very clear notion of that person you want to serve and how you're going to do it according to your four questions? Yeah. Mentor of mine, Keith says, when you try to help everybody, it's hard to help anybody. Right. Or you tell someone, I can help anyone. They hear I, no one. I'll give you an example. A really, really, really specific example. Okay. So we had a fabulous social entrepreneur on the podcast named Kat Houghton. And Kat's a psychologist who for years worked with families with autism. I think it was 10 or 12 years before. And then Hmm. she started to see that we needed certain technologies. And those technologies, nurses will understand why, have to be HIPAA compliant to help certain kinds of people with certain kinds of things. And this was actually, it sounds like not a big deal, but when you get into scale technologies that tens of thousands of people are using, making them HIPAA compliant and easy for families to use. That's a huge problem. <laughs> and she knew it was a huge problem because she it. was a psychologist, yeah. right? So wow. she created this, somebody in her orbit wanted to create a certain kind of thing. It's like Facebook for families with certain issues. And they decided to start with autism because she had like a dozen years and she loved working with families with autism and knew the problems hmm. very well. And hmm. They built it. It's working great. It's, it's, um, it's a fabulous product. And now they're going into the second sort of space, which is there's a very rapidly growing interest in using certain kinds of psychedelic medications with people with anxiety, depression, PTSD, and other things like that. Right. right. And the FDA is poised to approve MDMA yeah. and also... Um, psilocybin over the, in the next year. Exactly. In so. places yeah. like Portland and Denver are already experimenting with this. And again, yes. they need a certain kind of software that after somebody has an experience that helps integrate and check in on people that's dealing with very sensitive situations and very um, the HIPAA issues are very significant. But they already 
proved mm-hmm. that they can do it in the realm of autism. So now they're going into another space and they have other spaces that they're, they're phasing it out. It's not like Kat is only going to help autism families for the rest of her life, but she knew that if she got it right, and I, her and her, she's not a techie, she's a psychologist who understands the issues of helping people at scale with these complex problems in the realm of the human psyche and, and family dynamics. And she knew that well, and she knew we needed technology. She found a technologist, a fabulous techie who, who had hmm. things she wanted to build and grow, but she knew that she was sort of above her head. She was sort of out of her depth yeah. trying to do yeah. it in this space because it's really, really complicated. And the two of them part. She jumped, she missed the frying pan. Yeah. She, she was like, she went for the fire. She went into the deepest section of the ocean and as a techie with yeah. no training in HIPAA, she knew mental health is a huge growing issue. This was even before COVID. Now it's even more so. She saw an incredible opportunity. She wanted to help. She had family members who had some issues that she knew mental health can be a source of great suffering. And she wanted to build some stuff that would help a lot of people. But she knew that they couldn't just roll it out and say, here's this platform will help every mental health, you know, a family with a mental health issue with every mental health issue all at once, because it's just, there's too many different nuances. So they started Mm -hmm. really smart. And I contrast that with another social entrepreneur founder who built a fabulous technology and spent seven years, made no money, Hmm. drove his finances into the ground, built a fabulous platform. I'm not sure his platform wasn't better than what Kat and her, they were maybe equally or his was better, but he never really settled on, I'm going to use this. It was for helping families with disabilities, could have been used for autism, but other disabilities as well. But he went around knocking on doors saying, I can help any family who's ever dealt with any disability, but each disability has its own nuance. And to build out those nuances would have cost time and money to build it. And he Mm -hmm. ran himself into the ground and basically had to walk away and get a job. Two awesome platforms. One where somebody really dug in and understood if I can nuance it for one, it's often time called a case use in Silicon Valley language, right? One case Mm -hmm. use of autism, I can then adapt it with the nuances and get money to adapt it because I'm showing it works. Person number two, I can help everybody with everything and wound up running his finances into the ground. Yeah. And we don't want people doing that because we want people to succeed. And really specificity is really your friend when it comes to starting a business. And it's even a friend when you're in your career, because being super specific and drilling down to what your values are and what you're willing to do and not do and what population you want to work with or not work with, you know, what kind of colleagues you want to work with, what kind of organization you're willing to align yourself with. I mean, it can happen in a, in a regular career, job-based career or in business. So these, you know, what you're talking about applies to, to so many different things. And in, in terms of your business, as we wrap up, you know, people come to you for business coaching and it's for people who have this social entrepreneurial consciousness or who would like to develop it. And you were saying how you start with those questions. I'm assuming also that you can help them with the nuts and bolts stuff that needs the to happen. The last question is know. how, right? How? You know, yeah, and then we have to what's make the it business all model? How are we going to market it? Let's talk about pricing, which communities, mm-hmm. like we call it an ecosystem. What's the, what's the networks you need to plug into for various kinds of outcomes you want to have happen? If you plug into them, it's going to make what happens way more fun and way more profitable than if you don't plug yeah. into those networks. Where are those networks? Exactly. How do you find them? What do you do when you do find them? All of that grand yeah. stuff. That's good. So you go from the the more, you know, the the more right brain stuff to the left brain stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of community and um connection and what networks to plug into. So before we close, I want to talk about the awarepreneurs community. And that's on Facebook, right? Facebook.com forward slash awarepreneurs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We have we have a a Facebook group is one of the ways we stay in touch. We do master classes. So we have somebody coming who's a Facebook ad specialist just for business for good or um, a wonderful top 
Apple Podcast 100. He's an awesome podcaster. He also runs a membership community. He's in a common, so like real successful people with specific kinds of skill sets for our kind of businesses. And we talk Facebook ads or a podcast guesting strategy, or last month we did, how do you, it's called transform your business with a great VA. If you need a virtual assistant to help you with certain tasks, how do you find them from somebody who's been running a VA business with 40 employees and one eighth best place to work in the entire Middle East, not for VA businesses, for all businesses. <laughs> like, right. like we get great people who come and share with us very, very detailed information to help our job as social entrepreneurs be easier. That's great. So in the community, people can chat with each other. And then in the master classes, they can learn from people who are experts in the field from all over exactly. the world. And then the podcast, they get to hear interviews with all these really amazing leaders and builders and um, movers and shakers out in the world. And then you're on Instagram and Twitter, and you're really big on LinkedIn, and you're, you're Paul Zelizer on LinkedIn, Z-E-L-I-Z-E-R, and we'll make sure that's in the show notes. Um, so that's where people can find you and learn about Awarepreneurs learn about paulzelizer.com and everything that you do. And my last question for you is more personal. And what what's one value that really drives you and your, your life, whether personally and professionally? What's one of those things that is just so close to your heart that it's, it's central to who you truly are? Um. Well, two came to mind. <laughs> Go for it. So I'm gonna, the, the professional one, Keith, or the one that would be more relevant to what we were talking about, I'm Jewish. So the Jewish frame of tikkun, which is mm-hmm. oftentimes translated as social justice, but more what feels more aligned with me in the Hebrew actually means repair of the world, working to make the world, repair, repair of the world. The world's a mess, wow. right? Mm-hmm. And in the Jewish tradition, it's a, it's a mitzvah, it's a good deed to really make mm-hmm. being intentional about working to make the world a better place, a high priority. That's a, that's a cultural value, but it's also a personal value of mine. And then on a more personal level, and, and one of the things I've been really pushing the edge with and made big changes in my life in the past two years is the value of adventure. And mm. um, just to give a very quick glimpse on that, um, I've reconfigured my schedule so that I'm now working less hours. And every four to six weeks, I take a week off and go do a big adventure, usually somewhere in nature. And it's been transformative for my life and my work. So adventure and tikkun, which is this notion of repairing the world. So I would see that the adventure part is sort of mm, personal repair that you've decreased the number of hours you work per week so that you can do the repair in your own life because you know we have stressors we we work hard you know we have worries our families whatever our children we both have a child and having adventure and fun and creative time and time with your girlfriend and your daughter. Don't you feel like that's a form of repair too? Absolutely. It's repairing lifetime patterns of overwork and overfocus on money. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> you hit it right there. Right. So we have to create lives, and this comes down to lifestyle, right? There's work style and then there's lifestyle. We have to, our work has to support our lifestyle. Because it often works the other way that our lifestyle kind of like fits around the work. And I think you've been working on turning that upside down, haven't you? I very much have. Yeah, that's really, that's wonderful. And I'm, I'm trying to do the same. I, 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 I've really been working at creating a more well-rounded life and having a lot more fun. <laughs> so really important, isn't it? It really is, Keith. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Paul, this is so great. And um, I've been on your show. Actually, we had a really fun conversation. I'll try to remember to put a link in the show notes. And I would love people to hear that because it was that was super that fun. That was a great, a great show. Time. And, and yeah. you 
big bow listeners to Keith. Keith got me podcasting. Your passion for podcast that was some of what we talked about in that episode. That's right. Yeah. If you want to hear how how I coerced <laughs> Paul into becoming a podcaster, um, you will hear it on on the Awarepreneurs podcast. <laughs> and he's never been the same. <laughs> it's great though, Paul. I'm so I'm so glad. So thank you so much for being here and and gracing the airwaves. And we'll come back again sometime and and dig deeper. But this is a great first step into understanding your world and the awarepreneurs world and social entrepreneurship. Thanks for having me, Keith. It's been such an honor to be here. Well, there you have it. That is episode 345 of the Nurse Keith Show. Remember to check out paulzelizer.com and the Awarepreneurs podcast. All the links will be in the show notes at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 345. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from the episode. Take some inspired action from what you've learned today. Start with your core values. If you can identify those, that's a great place to begin. And if you need personalized holistic career coaching from yours truly, you get a 10% discount if you mention the show, but 15% off if you mention Paul Zelizer or Awarepreneurs. And again, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith. The Nurse Keith Show is a proud member of the Health Podcast Network, one of the largest and fastest growing collections of authoritative, high quality podcasts out there taking on the topics in health and healthcare. And the Nurse Keith Show is adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting, and Mark Cappy Spiesen is our stalwart social media ringmaster. Be well. Dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from Santa Fe, New Mexico. And the inimitable Paul Zelizer saying arrivederci from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Albuquerque, New Mexico, one hour south. So thank you, everybody. Thanks, Paul. And we will catch you on the proverbial flip side. Hold up. 